from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. Uh, As you well know, our show is hosted on the Anchor app, but we're also on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, plethora of other uh, podcast applications. And if you prefer the video format, we're up on YouTube, uh, YouTube, each show segment available. Uh, as you w- may have noticed, we've been kind of radio silence over the last uh, couple weeks. And much of the reason for that has to do with a uh, drink and his wife welcome, welcoming a new baby girl into the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Congratulations on that, brother. Um, and it's great to have you back. Hey, it's great to be back, man. It's great to be back here doing what we do best, you know, slanging and banging and talking in sports. Um, but yeah, man, just had a you know beautiful little girl, uh, Navelle Armani Drinker, you know, new addition to the family. So I appreciate you shouting that out. But you know what time it is. You know what we here for, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let that get too far ahead of you, cause we say what they don't, and we see what they want, and let's roll, baby. All right. Upon uh, upon further review, we're in episode thirty-four. Uh, we've got Kemba. He's back. Uh, Russell Wilson. He's not all that happy in the Upper Northwest. And we backtrack to that trade that sent Carson Wentz over to the Colts. Uh, but we'll start off tonight in the NBA Western Conference where the Lakers snapped a four-game skid with a 102-93 victory over the Blazers. Uh, LeBron James led the way with 28 points, but perhaps just as important were the 22 points scored by Dennis Schroeder, who had missed the previous four games. Uh, Damian Lillard led the Blazers with a game-high 35 points, but did not receive much help outside of the 19 he got from Gary Trent Jr., and the Blazers have now lost their fourth in a row. A drink, this felt a little like last year's playoff series where the Lakers simply outclassed the Blazers. Uh, you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, you know, it's hard not to feel that way when you're talking about the Blazers. Um, we was talking about this, you know, while we was doing the prep for the show. I, I just felt like the Blazers hasn't, you know, they haven't been a healthy team since LaMarcus Aldridge was wearing a, uni- a Blazers uniform. Um, and I feel like they've been going through this turmoil, you know, C.J. McCullough be hurt, Nurkic be hurt, um, Collins be hurt. It's always, they're, they're always missing the key call. It's either been times throughout that, that Damian Little, the missed time. You know, I, I just don't know what a fully healthy Blazer team looked like outside of the, the run that they had in the bubble. And I don't, I'm not even sure we're going to see that again from the Blazers. Um, so, yes, it does. Now, the funny thing about, it feeling like the Lakers was outclassing the Blazers is the Lakers didn't even have their overall best player in, in Anthony Davis. Don't get me wrong, LeBron's still the GOAT, but you you're a fool if you don't see LeBron declining. I'm just saying that now. I'm I'm a big LeBron fan, but I see the decline. 
So you you can tell that Anthony Davis is the guy that's going to catapult this team to a championship if they're going to get there. But that's neither here nor there. I thought last night, what the Lakers did last night that they haven't been doing in this uh, four-game losing streak that they had up to this point, oh, five games, um, they played defense last night. Now, I do understand this. Defense is a little easier to play against the, the Trailblazers than it is against the Utah Jazz. I got that. But at the end of the day, at least you showed the effort, the energy, the want to, um, the professionalism, you know, whatever other adjective you want to use to keep going. You showed that against the Blazers, even though the Blazers are not as good of, of a team as the, the Jazz, the Clippers, you know, the Nets, however you want to look at it. But at least you showed that. I thought LeBron on the defensive side of the ball last night was phenomenal. Um, he, 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 last night was one of those games you call a stat filler for LeBron. What I mean by that, um, listen, you can't overlook the four steals. You can't overlook the three blocks, stuff like that. Um, he really made his presence felt on the defense side of the ball. But I think last night was more about the return of Dennis Schroeder than it was anything else. Dennis Schroeder gave them the spark that they needed. I felt like with his presence, it made Montrez Harrell more evolved. Um, it allowed LeBron James to get more rest naturally, right? And it seemed like the overall attitude of the Lakers was just so much more positive than it was when I when I watched them, you know, against Utah. It was a bunch of slump shoulders, a bunch of this. They argued every call with the referees. Uh, I thought, you know, Jeff Van Gundy was going to put down the headset and go out there and, you know, holler at him right quick because he was just so over with them arguing every single call that they get. I felt like they didn't do that as bad last night. Um, yeah, they're going to argue some. It's the NBA, but I felt like they took their lickings last night. You know, if a call was a call, I just felt like LeBron was more engaged because he got more rest. He played 30, 36 minutes last night, but... I just felt like the games, the last four or five games, since Anthony Davis been hurt, I mean, I felt like he was doing 40-plus every game. And it didn't result to a win. So now you play them less and it results in wins. That lets you know the overall value of Dennis Schroeder. That he came in. It's something that he allows LeBron to rest between plays. He can make plays himself. You've seen it last night. And – the Lakers, you know, Frank, credit to Frank Vogel, he made sure when Schroeder was in the game that the ball stayed in his hands. Not LeBron's, even though it did find LeBron at the end of the shot clock, every possession seemed like. But Schroeder was the one initiating majority of the offense last night. And I think that's the way the Lakers need to play. Because when you get Anthony Davis back, and then when you test this free agency market and you go get another big man that's probably going to get some playing time, you need somebody in smaller statue like Schroeder to be able to initiate the offense. LeBron, a big guy. Plus, we know what his go-to move is. So, all defense is going to do the same thing they do kind of with Giannis. You just make the wall. You make them make jump shots. Can he make them? Yes. Do you want him taking more of them? No. And that's what I seen last night. So, kudos to the Lakers. I thought, I thought they, they looked it well, but... I'm not just jumping on the, oh, we back. Oh, yeah, we, we back in here, baby. We looking like a championship level team again. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I will say you're not looking like a bottom tier. We're not going to make the playoffs teams either. And you shouldn't because you got LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? So uh, kudos to that. 
Uh, and, and before I get out of here, let's talk about these blazers. Like, um, anybody gonna help little? Anybody gonna help um Dame time? Anybody? Dame dollar? Can I get anybody? Anybody? Trent Jr. Th thanks for showing up. Cannon, you know what, what we're doing here. Um, Derrick Jones Jr. So I I don't know. Um. I would say this. It seems to be that um, Dame Dollar Help is on the back of a milk carton, um, probably located on on a telephone pole near your house. Have you seen this person? Have you seen the rest of this team? Um, and, I, and I understand, you know, little, uh, he's kind of like Bradley Bill. I'm loyal to this team even though we suck. Um, but... It might be a time. It comes a time where you got to think about yourself, man. You got to pull the James Harden, man. Listen, we ain't going to win here. I need to go somewhere where I can win. I'm tired of losing. And uh, I think eventually that time going to come for Damon Little. But overall, you know, I do I agree. I do think this game came pretty similar to the bubble action. I think the Lakers just a better team than the Blazers, no matter how you cut the cheese. So with that said, you know, I, I like what I seen at the Lakers last night, but I'm not gonna, you know, put the cart before the horse per se, and we'll, we'll see where it go from here. Yeah, I feel like since um, we we kind of discovered last season the identity of the Lakers, and when they're at their best, they they're playing defense and they're getting out uh, in transition, and it, especially in the third, I think the third quarter was uh, no more, um, you know, kind of that was the best piece of kind of how they play at their best. Um, I thought the, the Blazers were very competitive early on. They led for a lot of the first half. Um, Damian Lillard, it was a really good, really good first half for him. And it carried over in the third quarter somewhat. Um, but as time, as time went along and the Lakers started to lock in more defensively, um, it became very clear, especially with the, um, with Portland being shorthanded, you mentioned no no CJ McCollum, which that that's that's a little bit unusual. I'm not used to CJ McCollum not playing, but yeah, as far as you you know how I feel about uh, Nurkic and uh, Zach Collins, you mm -hmm. just we just can't get him in there. And those are, and those are two key um, two key pieces for Portland, but far too often they're unavailable. But of course, the, I mean, I don't know how much can't put much excuse into it, but the Lakers the Lakers aren't uh, making excuses for not having Anthony Davis in there, which is a as big a deal as perhaps all three of those guys put together. Um, but I, I think um, Dennis Schroeder last night, um, I, I've always liked Schroeder all the way back to his days with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I always saw him more of a, of a slasher, a guy that can get to the basket and just create havoc once he um, gets past the guy that's guarding him. Uh, but he's he's much improved since then. He's got a much more reliable uh, three-point shot. Uh, I think defensively he's improved uh, a tremendous amount. And uh, you're right, this is a – this is almost how I wish the Lakers could have played a little bit last year. In the end, it didn't wind up hurting them, but I thought far too often LeBron James had to uh, be the primary ball handler, and they don't have to do that this year. Um, last year, they had Rajon Rondo. He could come in, but he was more of a guy that could come in in spurts. You couldn't really uh, rely on him for the big minutes. Um, not that way with Schroeder. Schroeder can play the heavy, uh, the heavy minutes. He can be your primary ball handler, and I think that can, that can be a big advantage for the Lakers going forward. And I feel like the Lakers last year, they almost 
because you know I, I I really liked the Clippers last year. I thought they were the team to beat, and one of the reasons why is because the Lakers, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, there was often a question of who the third guy would be. Um, we we thought it would be Kuzma um, at some point, never turned out to be, and they wound up being able to overcome that for different guys stepping up at different moments. Uh, you remember KCP had a lot of big moments. He was often the third guy. Every now and again, it would be Caruso. Sometimes it would be Bradley before he opted out. Sometimes it would be Alex Caruso. But now what you have here in a guy like Dennis Schroeder is you have a reliable third guy. You don't have to question where your third guy uh, will be. And even more than that, you have a fourth guy in Montrez Harrell. So the, the, the depth of the Los Angeles Lakers has me actually feeling better about them I know they've been they've been struggling recently, uh, but even with the Utah Jazz looking like um, perhaps the best team right now, and of course I, I still like the Clippers. I have a better feeling about this Lakers team than I really did at any point last year because I like this depth. This is quality depth, um, and even even um, you know as far as Harry, you still got um, you know Caruso in there. He's doing doing what he can do. Um, I, I think the only the only thing I would maybe look at upgrading is, and I think you've you might feel the same way as I'm not, I, I'm not all that uh, entranced with this Marcus All thing. I, I'm right, really not. Right. It's just there's just a lot of there's a whole lot of nothing that he's doing. There's too much right. standing at the three point line. There's not enough. There's not enough substance in these minutes. If you he get what even, I'm saying. Listen, <laughs> like, uh, no, no, I'm with you. Like he's seven foot tall and he can't jump over a piece of paper. That's not gonna cut it in today's NBA. <laughs> That's just not going to cut it. I'm looking at guards, like, ch- challenging him at the rim. Like, what are we doing here? So, no, I'm with you on that. They need to test that big man market. Uh, and as you as you want, I'm, I'm not sure if we're how much we're paying attention to this, but they just did sign uh, Damian Jones. I'm not sure if he's yeah. going to be much of a factor. I did see that. Um, but it, I, I feel I feel really good about this Lakers team. I think, you know, what, they're going to, you know, they're going to be somewhat cautious with Anthony Davis. Um, but at some point he'll, he will be back and they, they will be even more a force to be reckoned with. And as far as the Blazers, um, just, just not enough last night. And a, a lot of it has to do with injuries. A lot of it has to do with certain guys just not performing. Uh, Robert Covington was a no show. Um, they didn't get anything from, they didn't, they didn't get much of anything from Carmelo Anthony or Rodney hood. Um, uh, so th- those are three of your secondary guys who you, you'd like to think you'd get more than whatever it is, about 14 points from them combined. So the the depth of the Lakers last night, really Montrezl Harrell outscored um, the entire Portland Blazer bench, um, Portland Trailblazer bench by himself. Um, so I think I think this one is is really easy. It's not complicated. There's a clear separation uh, between the Lakers and Blazers. And, and as you well know, um, the, the top, I think the top three in the West with the Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz, there's a clear separation between four through everybody else. And the Blazers right now, they are in that four through everybody else. And um, for them to get back on track, it's going to be, they're going to have to get a little bit more healthy to give Damian Lillard a little bit more help than he's receiving right now. All right, we stay in the NBA and we move back east where two sputtering contenders met in Boston last night. Uh, That was the Celtics getting a 118-112 win over the Pacers. The Celtics had lost three in a row, but they got a vintage performance from Kimball Walker, who scored a season-high 32 points. Uh, the Pacers did get 24 from DeMontis Sabonis, but Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon, they struggled, combining for just nine for 30 from the floor. The Pacers lost their second straight game and have dropped three of four now. 
Uh, both teams are just below 500 and get this drink seeds four through 10 in the East. They're separated by just one game. All right, drink who is more likely to rise out of this Eastern conference mediocrity, the Celtics or Pacers. All right. So before I get to the answer to that question, your lead in is um, quite on point. And I just want to, uh, you know, point out one part of this lead in you said seeds four through 10 in the Eastern conference is separated by one game, man. That sounds familiar. And for all the people that want to rant and rave about, you know, the Eastern Conference being better, this is the reason people like Skip Bayless and other, you know, media personalities call the Eastern Conference the Eastern Conference because no matter who joins the party, it's always the same uh, outlook. You know what I'm saying? So no matter what ingredient you put in that pie, it always come out similar to be the same. Um, that's not going to cut it. Um, we, we expect at some point the Eastern Conference to build itself up to where you don't have teams that's below 500 in the playoffs. And even if you do, it should be like seed seven and eight or just eight. Not I feel like four. I, yeah, I feel like the last couple of years we've been led to believe that the East is catching up to the West. And then you, right. then you just pick up the standings on any other day. And it's like they really only have three teams above 500. Right. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. So what's the excuse now? Um, so with that said, to answer all that, it's the Celtics for sure. Listen, here's the deal. And before I, you know, jump into this vintage performance by Kimball Walker, I, I guess I'll start with the Pacers on this. You said it yourself. You take Sabonis out, what did you really have? I've been hearing about Miles Turner being the you know one of the best big men in the NBA. And been get and he's been getting snubbed for all star appearances for the last four or five years. Hmm. Then you got Malcolm Brogdon. We didn't see Brogdon play a lot better than he's been playing, but it seems to me maybe that additional role as not only being a role player but actually being a dependable, you know, somewhat borderline star, whatnot for. Indiana is starting to take a little toll on Brogdon. Brogdon don't look the same he looked when he was with Milwaukee when all he had to do was wait on Giannis to throw him the ball while he's wide open in the corner and play that good perimeter defense. It's a little different. Game that changed up for Brogdon a little bit. So you can see that. I do got a question. Do TJ Warren still play for the Pacers? I want to say he's got, he's got to be hurt right now, right? I ain't heard much from him, and he was just, he was sensational in the bubble. You know, that bubble warrant was sensational, so I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, he had he had surgery. I think he had surgery in late December. That's what I'm getting right now. Okay, well, it looked like the whole team getting surgery, but there's need yes. to know that. Um, so, that enough about the Pacers. They are what we are. I mean, right, I think last night they was like the fourth or fifth seed in the East. We know that's not sustainable cool that looks good on paper but i i don't at the end of the day i'm not even sure if the paces make the playoffs and if they do it'll be six seven or eight seed it won't be any type of home court home court advantage or anything like that and therefore that leads me into my next point i'm the celtics will be out of mediocrity why do i say that first of all the celtics have three players at least three players that have been all-stars at some point of their career Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, right? So if you just look at that, you say, dang, okay, they got three, you know, three guys that used to be all-stars, 
two of which they're young and ascending into their prime and then one that you could probably either say he didn't met his prime or he's coming down a little bit i don't know we'll see kim walk i mean i don't know what to make of kim walker right now so with that said and then let's look at you know you got a young button head coach that seems to be getting the most out of his team it just it's always missing a little something what is that little something let's talk about it this is why players like Marcus Smart get paid in the NBA. I hear a lot, like players like him, players like Draymond Green. Um, it was another player that I heard where people were like, they suck. They're not even that good, but they talk and they do this, and you always got to hear them. Let me tell you something. The NBA, sometimes it's not all about how much you can score. Yeah, is that probably a number one, you know, characteristic, a number one attribute that you need is to be able to score the ball? Yes. But when you bring those intangibles like those guys do, you're going to get paid. Somebody's going to pay you. Why do you think Chris Paul is getting paid so much money and he hasn't won anything of any significance? Because it's something to be said about leadership. It's something to be said about setting the right example, et cetera, et cetera. And it's something about having that tough guy. You can say whatever you want about Draymond. But I tell you what, you go up there and you go talk to Steph or somebody like that crazy and watch Draymond come across that court. And you know what time it is. I want all the smoke. So, with that, getting back on subject, the Celtics, they're, they're going to be the team that rise. I think Indiana's going to falter. Um, they're just too good. They just got to figure it out. They're still figuring it out, I think. And um, they're going to be the team. Uh, Vintage, hey, Kimball Walker. Because last time we talked about the Celtics, I had a lot of disrespectful stuff to say about you. But this is why. This is why. We know what you can do. We know what you can bring to the table. I'm glad you brought it to the table. Because with the way Jason Tatum and um, Brown played last night, y'all would have took the L. But you came to the table. You played good ball. And I, I think this is a microcosm look at what the Celtics could be if they can be consistent. So what I seen last night, I think the Celtics can rise up and actually get up to where they can meet those top three teams, the Nets, the Bucks, the 76ers. They can get, you know, going into that tier of the Eastern Conference at some point. But right now, like you said, they just in the pot with everybody else. Let's see how that plays out. Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that if you had to put money on which team will you know, rise up and, you know, maybe join some of those top three teams that, you know, look like contenders right now, it, it would be the Celtics. And um, even though they've struggled, I think the the number last night, they started eight and three, even seven to 14 cents. Uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, Marcus Smart being out. A lot of it has to do with Kemba Walker um, still rounding in the form. I think lately, lately it appears um, he's back on track. I think it was, I think, on our last show we were talking about uh, how dismal he was against the Utah right. Jazz. It was a two for twelve shooting night. Um, since then, he has scored 21, 25, 17, 28, 14, 21, and last night's punctuation uh, or exclamation point of thirty-two. Mm -hmm. So Kemba Walker appears to to have uh, gotten this thing turned around, and at no at no uh, no bigger time because Jason Tatum was uh, not very good last night. Um, and J Jalen Bryan, I wouldn't say he was he was awful, but uh, he, he just wasn't as assertive as he's been. Uh, and Tatum and Brown, it, it's interesting. It's just uh, interesting to see how it's shaken out so far for Boston because these guys, uh, they they look like they're going to be perennial all stars now for years to come. 
Um, they're both averaging 25 points uh, per game right on the nose. Um, and with their ascent to, you know, what I'd probably say is A minus level players, um, you, you would think that the rest of the team would come with them. It just hasn't happened like that so far. Um, but I think <coughs> Kimball Walker, Kimball Walker looks like he could be the, the X factor per, uh, perhaps. Uh, but he, he's got to be, he's got to maintain his uh, B2B plus play. And uh, Marcus Smart coming back, that's going to be a big deal. And I think they're just, I think they're just, they're just too talented to continue to, um, you know, continue to sport a 500 record. Uh, you know, I'm looking at guys like Daniel Tice, you know, uh, as time goes on, I, I get more impressed with him um, every game, very versatile on the defensive end. He can switch out and keep guards, you know, from just blowing by him. Uh, got a little bit of a rim protector in him. Um, got got a, it looks like he's developing a little bit more of an offensive game. Uh, they ran some really nice high low stuff with him and Robert Williams. Um, willing passer has three point range, a modern NBA big. Uh, and speaking of Robert Williams, he's another guy who, you know, I get more impressed with him as time goes on. I think he's a guy that needs more minutes. Um, I like Tristan Thompson, but when you look at the with what they did with their respective minutes last night, Robert Williams just he looks like he's more protected, uh, more productive, uh, plays above the rim. He's another guy who can protect uh, protect the basket defensively. Um, I, I like these two big guys. Um, and, oh, and oh, by the way, it was nice to see a little bit of production from uh, Jeff Teague, who hasn't had uh, the most splendid of seasons. Um, mm-hmm. So Boston, I think they're just they're just way too good despite the fact that their record just isn't what you um would expect uh but marcus smart coming back as we well know he's one of those glue guys to where like his impact goes well beyond the box score and when he's come back when he comes back and we continue to see kimball walker play more consistently at what he's capable of doing i think in the end boston's going to be fine uh they may not be able to catch um, the top three teams right now, but uh, they right now, if you had to pick a team out of that, you know, four to 10 uh, jumbo sandwich that they got going, it's gotta be, I think it's, I think it's gotta be Boston um, at this particular moment in time, Indiana, Indiana is somewhat interesting. I don't, I don't think Indiana's done. I think Indiana will make the playoffs when it's all said and done. Um, I think, although I don't think there's been a return date for TJ Warren yet, I do think he'll he'll return at the latter stages of the regular season. He'll give him a big boost. I, I'm not sure if Karis Levert comes back, but if they get both of those guys back late, um, I think they'll be able to sneak into the playoffs. Maybe they'll be down to six, seven range, but I still think they'll get in. Uh, but uh, one of the things we talked about in the last segment about Portland kind of being injury riddled, same th- I think the same thing can be said about Indiana, it, whether it's right. Victor Oladipo, uh, now it's T.J. Warren, and you think about it, the the trade that sent uh, Victor Oladipo to to Houston, I believe it was. Right. Uh, they get they get a a young gem who could like be a Victor Oladipo, perhaps in Karis Levert, and he you know goes through the medical process, and we all know how that's turned out. I'm not sure what his return looks like, but if they can get those two guys back, and oh by the way, Miles um, Turner, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, they're not going to play that way on most nights. Um, Malcolm Brown, he's averaging 21 a game this year. Uh, I think his efficiency has dropped since his last season um, in Milwaukee, uh, but he, he's he's more than capable. And uh, the only thing I'll say about Miles Turner is I I feel like the the when they brought over Sabonis, um, it, it made Miles Turner more of a perimeter player. And I, I just and I, and I talked to a guy who 
you know, a, fr- a friend of mine who is a is a Pacers fan. He he often laments that Miles Turner is just shooting too many threes, and it's just one of those things that it, it's almost it's almost got to the point in in the modern NBA that you can only afford to have one guy in the paint. Um, so and and the Pacers are, are I think they're better served to have Sabonis be that guy. Uh, but I think I think it is to the detriment of Miles Turner. I just don't think the the three point thing uh, is really to his strength. Although he's a capable three point shooter, uh, but I'd like to see him operate more in the paint. Uh, but yeah, in the end, uh, Indiana they just couldn't they couldn't do enough last night offensively. Uh, they they weren't all that efficient. They made up for it by you know being uh, absolutely outstanding from the free throw line. Uh, but the the they they surprisingly they still have a little bit of depth. Um, with uh, Aaron Holiday and Justin Holiday, both of those guys were productive last night, but they just needed a little bit more uh, from their second and third guys last night, which were Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon, and they just didn't get it. All right, we now move over to the NFL, where one of the most consistent NFL quarterbacks is he's showing some signs. He's not all that pleased with his organization. Uh, Russell Wilson complained weeks ago about all the hits he's taken throughout his career, and now there are few trade rumors beginning to surface. Uh, Wilson says he wants to remain in Seattle, but he's reportedly said there are four destinations he would be willing to go to in a potential trade. Uh, those teams are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears. Drink, it's uh, another one of the NFL's best quarterbacks, not on the best of terms with his team. Uh, do you see a trade on the horizon, and which of these four teams makes the most sense to you? Um. Well, I'm going to say yes. I see a trade. Um, which of the four teams? Let me let me ponder on that. But let, let me ask the, answer the first part of that question. Why do I see a trade on the horizon? Um, the only way I don't see a trade on the horizon if Pete Carroll all of a sudden change his way of thinking and say, "Hey, come on, Russell. I want to hear every idea you got." Um, but I don't. I don't know if we're gonna see that. Uh, Pete Carroll is Pete Carroll, and let, let's make no mistake. I understand that Pete Carroll is a good coach, but the reason he's going to be a Hall of Famer, it got a lot to do with Russell Wilson. Say what you want, but he don't win a Super Bowl and get to another Super Bowl without Russell Wilson. I don't give a rip how good that defense was. Russell Wilson had something to do with it. Um, but I think it comes to a time where, like, Russell Wilson, he, he's frustrated. He wants some things to happen. He's not getting it. Is it the same thing as Deshaun Watson? I don't necessarily think so. Because Deshaun Watson actually had phenomenal players that got taken away from him, whereas Russell Wilson just want phenomenal players. Um, now, as most people see, have seen, they did do right. They got DJ Metcalf. They do got Tyler Lockett. They went out and got Olsen. We thought he was going to do more. But the biggest blaring, like, slap in the face for what Russell Wilson right now is the offensive line. Here's my thought, and here's what I, I've heard, and but I do think this has something to do with it. I really do think so. So as Russell Wilson was sitting in the box, um, he's the reigning Man of the Year Award, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. For those that don't know, that that's given out every year for you know the most humanitarian player, meaning you did a lot for your community. You you was an ambassador of the NFL in a good light. Um, and you do all these great things, right? You know, it's, just a, it's a humanitarian award pretty much for the NFL. And it's a, it's a really good award because, hey, you get to wear that for the rest, of your, the rest of your NFL career. And only one player gets awarded this a year. So 
It's a it's a it's a pretty prestigious award, I think. Um, so he's there to receive the award. He's there. He's talking to the the commissioner. But if you actually look at Russell's face when they zoom in while he's talking to the commissioner, you see him watching the game. I myself had to think, while while Russell Wilson was sitting there in the box, and he's listening, he's you know talking, and he's watching forty three old Tom Brady down there with all the time in the world to order that number one with extra mac sauce. And he's just like doing his thing. And he had to think to himself, why, why can't I get that type of protection? Why, why will the Seahawks organization not listen to what I got to say about how I think we can, you know, make this team better. But I'm looking at Tom Brady that's clearly out of his prime. And he got to go to Tampa Bay and say, we need this, this, and this. You make that happen, let's roll. And then they 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 listen to Tom Brady and look, they get a Super Bowl because of it. And he's like, what have I not done to this point so I can be heard? You know? And it's a lot of things that go in this with, with, with uh, Russell. You got to understand, he's a short guy that got drafted in the third round. He was a guy that was overlooked three years at NC State. He had to go to Wisconsin to get the respect that he ended up getting. And then, not to mention, even on, on those Seahawks teams that did really, really well, who got a lot of that um, that praise? It was the defense. It was Pete Carroll. It was um, um, Dan Quinn. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people undersold Russell Wilson. Even to this day, he gets undersold. So now, I think in his mind, he's just thinking, like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what could I do to get what I'm trying to get? And now... As we talked about earlier, add Russell Wilson to the list of quarterbacks that's starting to be a little more vocal about their situation. Um, so that's that part of the question. Uh, which four teams make the most sense? Um, I'm looking at Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, Bears. What you? Know, I guess the Saints gotta close that saga with Drew Brees first. Then we'll get to that. I'm looking at the Raiders or Bears. Um. Because the Cowboys, I think they're that's probably Dak's job. I think unless he he doesn't come back and he doesn't you know look like the Dak we seen before the injury. But I think the Cowboys gonna roll with Dak. Um, I think that's his job. As far as the Saints go, we gotta see what's going on with Drew Brees. We gotta see if they really done with Taysom Hill. What happens with Jamin Winston? They they got some other things we gotta look at. The reason I say the Raiders is this: we know Marcus Mariota is out of there as the backup. Derek Carr has never gave you the, the feel of this is their quarterback. Ever since John Gruden been there, I haven't felt like this is Derek Carr's team. So I don't think it would take much for the Raiders to, you know, give up whatever picks they got left and, and go and get Russell Wilson. But the team I think that makes the most sense is the Bears because, yo, when the last time the Bears had a decent quarterback? I don't even remember the last time they had a quarterback worth talking about. Was it Rex Grossman? Like I don't, I, I really I don't remember. Like I'm trying to I don't remember the last time they had a decent quarterback that was worth talking about. But I, I guarantee you this: you bring in Russell Wilson, that's a game changer. Now it's time. Now the defense gonna want to play better. Now the offensive line gonna want to play better. Now you got um, Robinson and you know those guys saying, "Hold up, wait a minute, I might not complain as much with Russell Wilson here." So. Um, 
that that's something to look at. I know his contract might be a problem, but I'm looking at the Raiders or Bears. I think the Bears is the best situation for him. I really do. Um, so we'll see how that go. But I do think at this point, right, if you're not going to give this guy, if you're not going to at least entertain what he's saying, maybe you don't want to give him everything he's asking. But if you're not going to entertain what this guy is saying, then you might as well get off of him. If you're really not going to get him an offensive line to protect him, that means you could throw anybody back there. I don't know. Whatever. You don't care about the quarterback. So throw anybody back there. So I'm not mad at Russell Wilson. In today's game, like we talked about earlier, he is one of what? About four or five top-notch quarterbacks that got something to say now. It's, it's just becoming that time. that We're getting more vocal. It's real NBA-ish right now in the NFL. But, hey. You pay all these guys. You pay these guys all this money. They should have a right to say something. So let let's see how that go. I hope this work out for Russell. He's one of my best. I like him a lot because of his attitude. This is out of character for Russell. But hey, sometimes I ain't no killing until you push me. You know. So I feel like that's how Russell is taking this now. Like he's tired of being spit on. He's tired of being closed out. He's tired of being backhand. And he wants some respect, and we'll see how that turned out for him and uh, Seahawks organization. Yeah, I, I want to start with a question for you. Did, did you say that you think the Bears are the best, that they're the best destination for him out of these four teams? Because I think – Or do you uh, think the, Or do you think the Bears out of all these four teams could use him the most? Okay, right. All right, I okay. think the Bears out of all these these teams could use him the most. I'm okay. sorry, you're right. Okay, because the, the best the best would probably be the Cowboys or the Saints. To be honest, uh, okay. I feel like because they got the weapons, they got the more balanced teams. Okay. But like, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't clarify that. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I you just because I heard that, I just want to make sure I heard you right because that that kind of threw me for a little loop. Because I I do agree, I do agree. The Bears, <laughs> they. We know they need something uh, back there, but we'll, we'll get. Let me get to that moment. I'll start just like you did. Um, I, I I don't think there will be a trade, um, and I think there's there's good reason. There's good reason for these trade rumors to be out there. Russell Wilson he's being a bit more vocal than he used to. Um, he's been there nine years, and we know we know in the early years there was a lot more success than there has been lately. You had a Super Bowl victory. You had a Super Bowl appearance. Um, in the last four seasons, I think. He missed the play. They missed the playoffs in 2017. And then two out of the last three years, they've been one and done. Um, so although I think the uh, the Seahawks with Pete Carroll, with Russell Wilson, they are still one of the safest bets. Uh, when you look at a, you know, your, your preseason playoff uh, bracket or whatever you're doing, they're still one of the safest bets to be there. Uh, but the success has not followed uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um as you well know, the offensive line has been, you know, it just seems like it's been something they just continue to neglect. And I think it's, uh, it's kind of the reason that, oh, well, Russell was, we have one of these guys um, who can just, he's just so elite at his ability to escape pressure that we don't, we can invest less in the offensive line because of that. And, and there's some truth to that, but I think, you know, the, they've consistently neglected it to such a degree um, that Russell Wilson, he's still getting hit, you know, an absurd amount of times. I mean, there's this number. He's been sacked 394 times in nine seasons, and he's never missed a game. Uh, and that is the most in a player's for, in a quarterback's first nine seasons since the merger, going all the way back to 1970. Um, so he, he's getting he's getting sacked to, you know, historic proportions. And 
there and we know that if if there was another guy, if it was some statue back there in the you know the form of an Eli Manning or Philip Rivers or one of those type of guys, you know, you I don't know where it would be. You you could be well over five hundred. Um, but I think I think because Russell Wilson is being vocal, he's being more vocal. He's he's letting these guys know more. I think I have to believe. The Seattle's got to take this seriously. There's no way. There's no way Seattle can afford to lose Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I, I I have to believe Pete Carroll, and maybe more so than Pete Carroll, the general manager John Schneider, who I keep I keep hearing everything so great about him, and he's done. You know, he's done a good job. I I just like to see, uh, you know, the offense and the decent defensive lines get a little bit more attention. Uh, but I think because of Russell Wilson being more vocal. And he's got every right to be. And, you know, he's been he's been class personified since he's been up there. We haven't heard anything up to a couple of weeks or last month when he was talking about, oh, you know, take, taking I'm taking a lot of hits up here now, guys. You know, we, we ain't heard anything from Russell Wilson. He's been, you know, a, you know, like I said, class personified. Nothing, nothing negative I have to say against Russell Wilson. Because of that, I think Seattle's got to take this seriously. They have I think it would be in their best interest. Um, to let him have a little bit more impact or uh, or say in some of the decisions that occur, um, be it on personnel. I think I think he's reached that level. You talk about guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and some of these. Uh, maybe you throw Drew Brees in there, even though he's retired now. Russell, I think Russell Wilson's in that category of quarterbacks at the absolute elite level, where they deserve a little bit more input than your run of the mill uh, quarterback. That's that's where I'm at. Um, and I, I just can't imagine, although it's fun to talk about, I just can't imagine the Seahawks letting him go. And I don't think, I don't think there's any return uh, you could get that's going to be, um, it's going to be of the, of the requisite value. Um, but since we're talking about it, I think the best, the best spot for Russell Wilson out of these four teams, and it's, I'd, I'd be interested to know the, the, the thought process behind some, but I think, I think New Orleans is the, the best spot. Uh, because of the, the the stability they've had there with Sean Payton since he took over, no Drew Brees, so there's a little bit of uncertainty there. So if the if the Saints had interest and they say, well, you know what, we actually, if they if they if they, I think, you know, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, I think they could do some things with that. I think they could have a similar situation they've had um, with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill the last uh, several years. Uh, if James, if they if Sean Payton has been able to, you know, do something with the, the decision-making of Jameis Winston. They get that under control. That could be something worth watching. But if you ha- if Sean Payton has the choice between Jameis Winston and Russell Wilson, then it's going to be no doubt. I think the, the Saints, that's something they'd be interested in. The only question would be, would they be able to come up with a, a package that's good enough? And the same, the same can be said with all these other teams. Uh, you think if Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones could get their hands on Russell Wilson, they would absolutely be all about it. Uh, the same thing with the Raiders, uh, John Gruden. You know, when we know we've talked about it on several occasions, you know, it doesn't appear that he's never been all that enamored uh, with Derek Carr. And, and of course, Chicago, uh, Matt Nagy and, you know, just whatever quarterback on any given day. You know, the one thing, and I'll say Dallas, New Orleans, and, and uh, Las Vegas, the one thing they all have, or, you know, up to this point, the Cowboys, you know, they had some turnover recently, but traditionally they've all had great offensive lines. So I think, I think there's a subtle hint in there with the list that he's given out 
to the Seahawks saying, if you notice what these teams do right, particularly New Orleans and Las Vegas right now, they, they protect the quarterback. Hello, that can, can we get some of that here? Because I think Russell, Russell Wilson said he still wants to play there. But give me a little, give me some protection. You know, I don't want to be 38 years of age at some point, still having to run for my life every play. I like to, I like to be back here with a little bit of security. Um, so, and the, but the one thing I don't understand is I, I, I'd love to be able to ask Russell Wilson, what, what's attractive about the Bears? I mean, do you like Matt Nagy that much? Because outside of Matt Nagy, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I don't, I don't think Chicago is an attractive destination for a multitude of reasons. Um, but the the one the most foremost unattractive is is this guy Ryan Pace who is still the GM and you think you think Ryan Pace uh, is going to be able to surround you with the requisite pieces to get you back where you want to go if that's the case just go ahead and stay put where you are yeah I, I don't I don't think Chicago and and Ryan Pace and his infinite wisdom is going to do the trick but in the end since we're entertaining this I think New Orleans is the by far the best destination. Uh, for Russell Wilson and, and for and for uh, the Saints, I just you know what um, I, I would say this about Chicago though. I, even though Chicago don't seem like the best, it, it's still an upgrade from what he got offensively with Seattle. You know what I'm saying? Like I think their line is a little better. I think they run game a little better. I think he has better targets with Seattle. But then you know. That it depends on who you talk to on what what day that you're talking to him. Who has it. so my my guess is he just feels as if offensively they're set up a little better. I mean the offensive line ain't trash. You know what I mean? The run think, game ain't trash. Um what you gonna say? Yeah, I think there I think there's I think there's something there's something there for Chicago. I, I think Matt Nagy can coach. And I think I think they're their offensive line is probably a little bit better, and maybe their run game is a little bit better. I, d- I thought David Montgomery, he had a sort of a somewhat breakout season. Right. And I, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something to be said for that one season that the Bears won the North and Mitch Trubisky looked like a quarterback on the rise. Maybe he's thinking, they, oh, if he, if he can get that out of Mitch Trubisky, I can thrive in that offense. Because I think that's another thing. Um, you know, you, ne- you never hear about Seattle offensive coaches, you know, even though Daryl Bevel, you know, he got some love for his coaching job. But a Seattle offensive coordinator never seems like the next guy to, like, take over a team, really. You know, they, they don't have the, you know, for Pete Carroll teams, it's always the defensive coordinator who's the hot commodity, whether it's a Gus Bradley or a Dan Quinn or, you know, somebody like that. It's never the offensive guy. And that just kind of right. seems to be – you know the just the way it's gone with a with a Pete Carroll team. Although it's a great combination, Pete Carroll, even though they win and they they do a lot of good, it doesn't seem to always be in the best interest of Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll is a run game and defense type of coach. And Chicago is a playoff team. Just throw that out there. They wasn't impressive, but they did make the playoffs with the scraps that they had. So Russell Wilson might be a guy that can, you know, accelerate that just a make little them, bit. Yeah, make them serious. 17 stuff. <laughs> Click. We now backtrack to last week where a big trade involving an NFL quarterback did occur. The Eagles traded Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that could wind up being a first rounder. The trade reunites Wentz with coach Frank Reich and Wentz will take over for the retired Philip Rivers. Meanwhile, the Eagles appear poised to turn the keys their offense over to Jalen Hurts, although they are expected to bring in some competition for the second-year quarterback. 
So, Drake, this one seemed destined to occur as the offseason has progressed. I see this as a clear win for the Colts. Uh, what say you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here's the deal. Like, once again, the, the question always remains, who won this trade? And I'm always one of the believers that the best player wins in the trade. Carson Wentz was the best player in this trade. Carson Wentz. Never mind just Carson Wentz. You got to look at the destination and the point of origin. And this will make a lot more sense. Here's the deal. We we talked about this weeks ago. When, they, when the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni. And he had that press conference. And he had a hard time getting through it. And he made the comment, we got two starters. No the hell you don't. You wouldn't be here if you had two starters. Like... And we understand why he said what he said, because you're supposed to say that in your introductory press conference. But, you know, if you've been doing this longer than a little bit, you know when you hear some bull and when, when it's the truth. And then we also thought, okay, this was a move to keep Carson Wentz, but I don't know how strong of a move this is. Because what I think was missing in the whole context of this Philadelphia Eagles situation was we assume – a lot of people in media and fans assumed, unless you was an Eagles fan, that Carson Wentz had a problem with Doug Peterson. But it was, that wasn't the issue. It was actually that Carson Wentz liked Doug Peterson, but Doug Peterson's hands was tied a little bit, and then he made that bonehead mistake and went against ownership, and then he got fired. And then that was the camel that broke – that was the straw that broke the camel back for Carson Wentz. That's when he said, I'm out of here. And then you start hearing offensive linemen and Zach Ertz said, I probably played my last game as a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, you know, Travis, uh, not Travis, um, what's his name? Jason Kelsey, um, you know, guys like that, you know, uh, J- Johnson, you know, guys that's been stable mates for the Eagles for quite a while during a Super Bowl run. A lot of those guys was like, hey, this is probably my last season. They hugged it out on the field on their last game and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, now you fast forward to what we're looking at now. Carson Wentz, everybody said this. If he go to the Colts, it, the Colts going to the next level. And I think they're going to the next level. The Colts gonna, should be easily a top four team in the AFC this year with, with Carson Wentz. Why? Because now Carson Wentz is back with the guy that started it all. We have to remember this. Carson Wentz's best year came when Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator and Doug Peterson was the head coach. You, that's a fact. You can't argue that. That was his best year. That was the year they won the Super Bowl. Hell, that was Nick Foles' best year, if you want to put it that way, too, under those two. So when you look at it like that, he's going back to the guy that he played his best ball under. Now, Frank Wright is no longer the offense coordinator. He's the head coach, meaning he, he will have to take some direction from somebody else, whoever the offense coordinator is there. I'm not sure, and I'm not even going to lie to you. So, with that said, I just don't believe Carson Wentz is going to come out here and be, you know, shit. I think he's going to come out here and prove I was an MVP candidate in 2017 for a reason, or 18. I was an MVP candidate for a reason. Um, we won the Super Bowl. I might not was the starting quarterback, but we won the Super Bowl off what I did for a reason and what the defense did and so so on and so forth. Let's think about this, though. Even the wide receivers he had during that time, during his MVP run, are not even the same no more. You know what I'm saying? No Alshon Jeffrey. No Deshaun Jackson. No um, 
Nelson Aguilar. And I know what people going to say about Nelson Aguilar, but he played his role that year. Um, no Trey Burton. No it, Trey Burton. Like, it's a lot of guys that was there that's not there anymore. Um, or that's not playing to the level that they was playing. So, to answer the question, oh, yeah, it's without a doubt a win um, for the Colts. But let's look at the Eagles. What I would say for the Eagles is this, and, and this might be a good thing for old Nick Sariana. Since they didn't threw you in the, the, the lines then, because you know that media are going to get you, they're going to eat you up. So I hope you're ready for it, young Nick. Um, but now you get a young quarterback that seems to be the star, um, Jalen Hurts. If they allow him to build his relationship with Jalen Hurts, I think they'll be fine. But something tells me the Eagle about to mess this up. They're either going to draft another quarterback or they're, they're about to bring in the quarterback. I just feel like the Eagles, just being the Eagles, they're about to find a way to mess this up. What they should do is give Jalen Hurts another receiver with um, Rager. You know what I'm saying? Go out and get Jamar Chase or um, Devontae Smith, one of those guys, if they're available. But I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to get enough pieces on the offensive line. I don't know. We, I just don't know enough about this coach to say I trust them. So it's, it's going to be something weird. I know you talk to a lot of uh, guys, you know, that's coach fans, so you got a better grasp on this. Um, but as far as I, I'm concerned, the coach won, Carson Wentz won, and now what will the Eagles look like? Because the job wasn't that desirable from the start. Now you done made it even less desirable. Let's see if any free agents want to come there, if they can do that. I don't know. It's it's a it's a, it's a crap show there in Philly, but let's see how it goes on. Yeah, like like I said in the opening, I think I think this is a big one for the Colts. I it's I feel like as soon as we started hearing um the fact that the Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson on up to ownership and all that wasn't wasn't going well, and then you have Doug Peterson get fired. I for a long time, you know, the moment I heard, oh, Carson Wentz on the block or whatever you want to call it, I was like, this this is a Colts move. The Colts should be all in on this with Frank Reich. As you mentioned, 2017, we know about it. Uh, Wentz was an MVP, was the clear MVP favorite all the way up into uh, the, the Rams game where he got hurt against them. Um, and just and just keep this in mind, you know, everyone wants to point back to that 2017 season and it was it was absolutely fantastic. But the following two years, uh, even in 2018, it was injury shortened, but he threw but 21 touchdowns, seven picks. And then the next year, which was which was last season, now 2019, um, nine and seven. You know, not all that, not not overly impressive. But then you combine, you know, some of the injuries um, that happened. It, it was just a case where Carson Wentz put the team on his back. We know the division wasn't all that great, but Carson Wentz led them to the division and threw 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So he had a situation there where. In a three-year stretch, 17 and 19, the man threw 81 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Now, we know everything just completely disintegrated last year. It just, I, I believe in the end, it became too much to overcome. Uh, he needed a little more help outside of Miles Sanders, who I thought was pretty good. Uh, but you had you, had you, you know, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. I've said it many a time. You just can't get them on the field. Um, Zach Ertz, he was a little bit more in and out. You know, Goddard, your second tight end, he was in and out. Offensive line. You know, your stable mates like Lane Johnson in and out. Jason Peters, just old. Brandon Brooks, he, you know, tore up his Achilles before they even practiced once. So you had all these different things that just went against you. Um, defensively, they were okay, but they just, 
the, one of the problems with Philadelphia, it seems to me, is a lot of their stable pieces that have kind of been just since the around the Super Bowl time, uh, whether it be, you know, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, those, those are probably the four I, I, I'd, lead, I'd start with. You know, they haven't really, those guys still remain, but Philadelphia, what has Philadelphia really added? you know, in the draft to kind of restock. Cause I think, I think Philadelphia is in a world of hurt right now. And I think that they're going to be set for a rebuild here shortly. Um, and it's just because they just haven't drafted well. And you go back to kind of, even though, you know, no disrespect to Jalen Rager, but that seemed like a Justin Jefferson play, you know, mm-hmm. in my mind, and I think perhaps in, you know, yours as well. And they go a different way, and but e- but even beyond that, wh- where is the where's really the young talent on this team? I don't. I mean, outside Miles Sanders, and then every you know everything else. I'm just there's not enough. There's not a lot of names that come to mind for Philadelphia to give you some belief because eventually guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and you're off in some of your you know uh, really good offensive linemen. Those guys are aging. They're not getting younger. And those are your foundational pieces. And they, I just don't think they've re, they've done a really good job of reloading. And I think, you know, that's going to spell trouble for them this season and beyond. I think it spells trouble for Howie Roseman too. I don't know how much Howie wrote. I don't know how much longer Howie Roseman is going to be the general manager. Um, now with that being said, and also to this, I don't know if I've ever seen a situation like Philadelphia, which disintegrated so quickly. You know, if you if you'd have asked, if you'd have said last year uh, or before the 2020 season that you know what, after right after 2020 season, Doug Peterson getting fired and Carson Wentz getting traded, you would have, I, I wouldn't have believed you. you. Said, I would. You would have said yeah. no to both questions. Yeah, but also it, it's just not only do you have the Jalen Rager draft pick, then you, you know, you just get you just kind of officially handed the keys to Carson Wentz with getting Nick Foles out of there because that was, a, that was a big conversation for years with Wentz's injuries. And we know how good Nick Foles was in, in relief of him in Philadelphia. Uh, so you just got that out of here to kind of clear the deck. And then you draft Jalen Hurts and uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round. So you, you made, you know, you, it's just something I don't think you had to do. You want to back up. You quarterback. created a situation. Cre- yeah, exactly. You created, you created another, you know, kind of under the tape, under the surface controversy. Something you didn't have to do. You don't like, yeah. Of, and of course, everybody wants a good backup quarterback. But Jalen Hurts, there's something to Jalen Hurts. Like that's just a name. And given, you know, how he performed at Alabama, you know, winning a national title, and then going to Oklahoma and being in right. the Heisman conversation, that type of thing. I just think they they were just doing too much. Uh, but on, but on the other side to Indianapolis, I think Carson Wentz. It's one of those situations where you know sometimes you have stocks and they just bottom out. I think Carson Wentz is it, Carson Wentz bottomed out last year, and I think Frank Reich and I and I look at you know I look at the details of this trade you know a third round pick and a second round pick maybe it turns out to be a first I think I think it probably will I think it's a playing time stipulation, but that seems like a that seems like a well, they, I fair. mean the, yeah and the in the Colts they didn't they didn't have to you know sell out completely to yeah. uh, get Carson Wentz so I think the combination of that plus uh, getting in Frank right, and we know how sound and solid the team is around him. Uh, with you know Jonathan Taylor, what he was able to do in his rookie season. Um, T. Y. Hilton, he's probably a, maybe he's on the back nine of his career, but also uh, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman looks like a wide receiver you can depend on for years to right. come. We know how solid that offensive line is. 
and Matt Eberflus doing a fantastic job with Darius Leonard and uh, the rest of that defense. So they're just a sound football team. Um, and Phillip Rivers, even on his last leg, was able to do enough to get into the playoffs. So I agree with you. I think the Colts are going to be really good. I think they – I think they'll win the AFC South and they'll be a, a huge factor moving forward. Uh, but also I just do want to add it just to go back to Jalen Hurts really quick. Um, I'm root, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts. I know you are as well. I think right. as far as, you know, guys, you know, you look at what they've been through, you know, in their college careers and you look, you look at how it turned out for Jalen Hurts, you know, you win a national title, but then in the next national title, you get benched and you have your backup come in and uh, you know, lead the comeback against Georgia. And then, uh, the next year, I believe he had a, you know, he didn't play really any. And then Tua, he was out for the, he went out in the uh, SEC championship game, I believe it was. Tua comes, uh, and Jalen Hurts comes in in relief. You know, and ne- never complained, never said a word. Just just another guy similar to Russell Wilson, a guy that right. you really you really can get behind and cheer for because there's just no negatives that come with him. And because of that, and I hope he has all the success in the world, but as I said, when they made the switch last season, I, I'm unsure, and I think it may be too much to overcome because I think Philadelphia is, is trending in the wrong direction. And unless they can start, unless they have a great free agency and they 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 knock out the draft, they hit the draft out of the park. Uh, I, I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna work out for Philadelphia. All right, time to finish off the show with rap reactions, a lot of topics, and a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. Detroit's Tigers first baseman Miguel Cabrera has set lofty goals for the 2021 as he hopes to reach the 500 home run mark and the 3,000 hits. Do you think he'll succeed? I hate, hate to bet against an all-time great like this, but uh, I think he'll I think he'll come up just short in the in the home run marks. I think he needs uh, I think he needs 10 10 to 13 something like that. I don't quite think he has the uh, the power to get there this season. I do think 3,000 hits uh, is within reach, though. I think he needs about 134. Texas Longhorns regents have approved a six-year, $34.2 million deal for new coach Steve Sarkeesian. Your reaction to those details? Damn right. One thing we know about the, the Texas Longhorn you know, situation, they got money. Texas got some money to use. So, um Listen, they think Steve that guy. They think he's the guy to take them over the hump and bring back, you know, bring the Longhorns back, as they've been saying for the last three or four years. Um, let's see. I think he does. He do have the chance to do that for that um, that organization. We'll see. But Texas is. They have always been a team that's not been shy of spending money, as you can see now. So I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. The Patriots will reportedly welcome back three players who opted out last year in linebacker Deontay, I mean linebacker Dante Hightower, safety Patrick Chung, and right tackle Marcus Cannon. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Uh, I'm gonna go with it's a little big <clears throat> deal. It's in between a little deal <laughs> and a big deal. Uh, it'd be a big deal if they, uh, you know, get some consistent quarterback play in the post Tom Brady era. But uh, they're, um, as you know, the uh, Patriots were hit. Um, exceptionally hard by opt-outs, including three these three guys. I thought these three guys were the, the keyest of components that they lost. And I think having those guys back, it'll, uh, it, it will be, they will all have uh, impacts uh, for the 2021 season. Free agent defensive lineman J.J. Watt has received contract offers from multiple teams, according to league sources. Uh, yeah, got, got any idea who the, uh, who Watt will sign with? 
Man, I tell you what, um, the team I would like for him to sign with is the the Buffalo Bills. Um, but it, I, I hear a lot of chat about the Cleveland Browns. Um, that seemed like his number one landing spot is he want to go to the Cleveland Browns. He said he liked what they're doing there. He can, he can be on the other side of uh, Miles Garrett. He really liked that. Um, but I, I personally, I think the Buffalo Bills would be the best spot. It's, you know, that's a team that looked like they're on the cusp of getting to the Super Bowl. And they can use some pass rush because as good as their secondary is, the, you know, that defensive line is not getting it done. Buffalo, so they can use his services. So those are my few ideas. We'll see how that go. The Atlanta Braves has extended the contract of manager Brian Sneaker to 2023 with a club option for 2024. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I think this is a thumbs up. Uh, Braves have been highly successful under uh, Brian Snitker, the three straight uh, National League East titles. Uh, no, no reason to see uh, that success won't continue with the uh, the young stars that they have, Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Alves, list goes on and on. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a, this was absolutely the right move for the Braves to keep the band together. Annapolis is relaxing coronavirus restrictions for the city's bars and restaurants ahead of the upcoming Big Ten and NCAA tournaments. Is that a good idea? I would say this. Um, we, we don't, I don't quite know. It could... Like it could be, I could see the argument made for it, and then I could see the argument made against it. Um, but we don't know until it's done, and we have to see the results and see if the you know if uh results went up or results went down. I can tell you right now, in in today's economy for, for us now, I'm not surprised that they're entertaining this because it you know everybody want to go back to normalcy that's where we're at now like we've been through we've been living with this 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 pandemic for a while now now we want to try to go back to normalcy that seems to be what Indianapolis is doing but I, I think we won't know if it's good or bad until some some type of data comes in you know as the tournament is going on or what what might have you so we'll see but i'm not i'm not sure about if it's a good idea or not Brooklyn Nets superstar forward Kevin Durant will not return until after the All-Star break as he continues to recover from his hamstring injury. Does that concern you? Uh, not really. Nets are in no, uh, no, no, uh, no danger of you know, missing the playoffs or anything like this because of that. I believe they won eight in a row with uh, James Harden and Kyrie Irving playing, uh, playing pretty well. Uh, so it's the most important thing is uh, having him healthy come playoff time. And if he you know, needs a little extra time to recover from the hamstring, um, that, that there's absolutely uh, no reason in the world you wouldn't be cautious with a player like Kevin Durant. Tonight, it's UFC fight night. It's Rosenstruck versus Gain, ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. And the main event is the UFC heavyweight bout between the number four ranked contender, uh, Jarzino Rosenstruck, and the number seven ranked contender, Seal Gain. What you got, Drink? Uh, I think I'm gonna take Rosenstrike. Um, listen, you know he he's been up and down. I think he la- he won his last fight um, by the luck of the luck. But the reason I'm gonna take Rosenstrike is because I like the level of competition he has fallen to this point. Gain, he's an up and comer. I think Rosenstrike might be like his the toughest competition he'd had thus far. But I done seen Rosenstrike in there with you know Francis Zagano and 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 others. Um, so. With that said, I'm going to take Rosenstrike, but I will say that I think this one go all five rounds and, Ro- and Rosenstrike wins by um, an unanimous decision. Phyllis right fielder 
Bryce Harper declares the NL East as baseball's best division on Thursday. What do you make of those comments? Uh, sounds like a trap. Sounds like uh, when the Phillies inevitably underachieve and miss the playoffs, uh, Bryce Harbor can fall back on those comments and say, well, you know, we're playing in the best division in football and in, in baseball, mm -hmm. so it's, you know, hard to make it. So, and uh, I, I'm not falling for it. Uh, be better and let, let's uh, let's actually do something this year. Last one tonight on the zone at the Hard Rock Cof uh, Cafe in Miami, the WBA, WBC, and Ring Super middleweight champ and uh, – Pound for pound star Canelo Alvarez. He returns to defend his title against super middleweight contender Abney Yildrim. A drink. Will Canelo get tested tonight? I'm going to tell you like this. It's a reason why you, you couldn't say that guy's name. It's a reason why I can't say his name. <laughs> so with that said, Canelo should come on out here, get him, get him out of here by round seven, and be moving on to the next big challenge. Because, I, I mean, this guy... Listen, he should be able to use this platform to make something of himself. You fight one of the biggest stars in boxing. You know, go out here and make a good showcase and make yourself some money. But this should not go the distance, and this should not be that tough of a fight for Everest. We'll see. But I, I think he get him out of there by round seven. All right. That, that is it for today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, listen, like, share, and subscribe. We'd appreciate it all. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nate the Drinker, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday, and you know what we gonna do. We gonna holler at you until next time, baby.